DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Rome. He is the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with a Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Meister Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, Models of Decision-Making, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius also serves as the prior of Sant'Anselmo in Rome. The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Mauritius, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Chris. One of the important aspects of the Holy Rule is the encouragement to foster community. Community is central to that. And to that end, you have chosen for this particular topic the in place of helping oneself, sharing meals together. Mm-hmm. I would like to share with you um, the meaning of the common meal that the monks have. And uh, maybe to approach this topic, let's enter through the back door <laughs> with chapter 24, which is on the degrees of excommunication. There ought to be due portion between the seriousness of a fault and the measure of excommunication or discipline. The abbot determines the gravity of faults. If a brother is found guilty of less serious faults, he will not be allowed to share the common table. Anyone excluded from the common table will conduct himself as follows. In the oratory, he will not lead a psalm or a refrain or will he recite a reading until he has made satisfaction, and he will take his meals alone after the brothers have eaten. For instance, if the brothers eat at noon, he will eat in mid-afternoon. If the brothers eat in mid-afternoon, he will eat in the evening, until by proper satisfaction he gains pardon. So, eating the meal just by myself is seen as a punishment. And that's an interesting thing. When you think about how how in our society we deal with eating, think about fast food, for example. Mm -hmm. Everybody is just by himself when he he eats. And this was seen at St. Benedict's times as a punishment. In we have a Greek word idiotes. From there derives idiot. Um, and idiotes means the private man. That's the original meaning of idiotes in Greek. So the Greek people and the ancient people they saw people who are just by them themselves, who are just private, who are not in community, who are not involved in 
communal activities, meals, festivities, and so on, these people were seen as idiots. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So today it's just the other way around. You are kind of an idiot if you still are in, involved in community work or so. The ideal is more to be just with, with your smartphone and that's it. So this is the background when we talk about St. Benedict and having meals in community. The ideal is to be together, to be in community and in communion with the others. Yeah, it even in our previous conversations we've discussed the engagement of the community at even at mealtime with the readings that will occur and that is there's so much shared in that moment that goes beyond just portioning out of food. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's interesting that St. Benedict put, puts so much emphasis on the meals. You may wonder why. So it's almost in the way he orders the prayer times, he orders the meals. So having a meal together and praying together seems to be pretty close, these two things. As we have heard, those who are not allowed to eat with the others should also not introduce or lead a psalm or a song during prayer. So this is seen as very, um, how can I say, this belongs together, praying, celebrating the Eucharist and the meal. Let me deepen this topic with, by recalling another chapter, this is 35, which is on the kitchen servers of the week. The brothers should serve one another. Consequently, no one will be excused from kitchen service unless he is sick or engaged in some important business of the monastery. For such service increases reward and fosters love. Let those who are not strong have help so that they may serve without distress. And let everyone receive help as the size of the community or local conditions warrant. If the community is rather large, the cellarer should be excused from the kitchen service, and, as we have said, those should also be excused who are engaged in important business. Let all the rest serve one another in love. On Saturday, the brother who is completing his work will do the washing. He is to wash the towels with the brothers, use which the brothers use to wipe their hands and feet. Both the one who is ending his service and the one who is about to begin are to wash the feet of everyone. The utensils required for the kitchen service are to be washed and returned intact to the cellarer, who in turn issues them to the one beginning his week. In this way the cellarer will know what he hands out and what he receives back. An hour before mealtime, the kitchen workers of the week should each receive a drink and some bread over and above the regular portion, 
so that at meal time they may serve their brothers without grumbling or hardship. On solemn days, however, they should wait until after the dismissal. On Sunday immediately after Lord's, those begin as well as those completing their week of service should make a profound bow in the oratory before all and ask for their prayers. Let the server completing his week recite this verse, Blessed are you, Lord God, who have helped me and comforted me. After this verse has been said three times, he receives the blessing. Then the one beginning his service follows and says, God, come to my assistant, assistance, Lord, make haste to help me. And all repeat this verse three times. When he has received a blessing, he begins his service. Again, the meals are ritualized. They are celebrated like, like a worship, like a, a liturgical service. Because having a meal together, as St. Benedict says, fosters the love to one another. Is it an acknowledgement as well of the teaching of our Lord that when two or more are gathered, he is present? So in this moment of sharing the meal together, there there is a, a sacred opportunity? Absolutely. Um, eating together unites us, creates a deep unity. Communion in the deepest sense of the word. I think it's no wonder that Jesus took the meal, the common meal, as the symbol for God's love and for how much God wants to serve us and wants us to serve one another. There's a chapter in the Rule 51, Brothers on a Short Journey, that goes, if a brother is sent on some journeys and expects to return to the monastery that same day, he must not presume to eat outside, even if he receives a pressing invitation, unless perhaps the abbot has ordered it. Should he act otherwise, he will be excommunicated. That's interesting. Again, this we have to read kind of through the back door. Um, St. Benedict doesn't want the monks to eat outside. Why? Because eat, eating together with worldly people, so to speak, or with people who don't belong to this family of God-seekers, don't belong to the monastery, would create a very intimate bond between the monks and those with whom they eat. So eating together, think about maybe you drink a cup of wine also, and so you you get in a in a very can I say you you get connected in a very intimate way at least it can happen mm -hmm. and this is why Benedict does not want his monks to to eat outside because he wants to have this intimacy reserved for the brothers and for the monastic family.
in the beginning of our conversation, we presented that in place of helping oneself, sharing meals together. Now, I bring forward the in place of helping oneself because it seems as though maybe it's a cultural thing in the United States, maybe it's experienced other places, but there's a real desire for us to foster independence. I mean, we, we want that for our children, even so much so that we even have a, a, maybe a potential age of 18, you're expected to be able to be out on your own and you know, go find a, a way to take care of yourself. So are we um, needing, do you think, Father Mauritius, this, this practice of dependence? I think St. Benedict would have nothing against this desire to become independent in the sense of um, he encourages every, every monk to stand on, on his own feet, as we have um, discussed already in another interview. So independence uh, nurtured by the freedom that is given from God is a wonderful thing. It's, it's a question of maturity. But I would say we have gone a little bit too far with that because we have the illusion, we get the illusion that we could live without the others. And this becomes so obvious when we eat together. There has to be somebody who cooks for you. There has to be somebody who wash, washes the dishes afterwards. There has to be somebody who grows the fruits you, you are going to eat, who raises the cattle and the animals you are going to eat. There have to be these animals and these plants, plants, so when we are eating, we are really connected with, the, with so many people, so many creatures, deeply connected, and we just forget about this nowadays. We not even pray before the meals or after the meals. That would be kind of the least to say, okay, thank you, God. And by saying this, we could say thank you, all people who have provided this food for me. So... Eating shows in particular, particularly that we depend on one another. So independence, yes, wonderful, but this is not an absolute independence. This is an illusion. And we have to exercise and to practice this fact. It doesn't feel comfortable, I know, this fact that we are dependent. We are so dependent um from our own experience it is not easy to be served we just heard this chapter on the table service um it's easier to just grasp the bottle and the glass and the potatoes and everything we have a different style in the monasteries until today not in all monasteries some have manual style some of the monasteries have buffet style, but we still have this table service. And as St. Benedict says, it fosters love because it reminds you that you are not totally independent. And actually, 
You can enjoy this. Yes, I am served as Jesus served his disciples during the Last Supper. We all are a little bit like Peter, who don't want to have our feet washed by Jesus. He was against it. This is how we say, I can pick up my own tray. I can get my own meal. I can cook my own meal. That's not a problem. That's not the point. I believe that you can do it by yourself. That's <laughs> it's more about acknowledging that we are that we need people, that we need love, that we need people who serve serves us serve us, that we need God who serves us. And this becomes manifest and obvious when we eat. Because we depend so much on eating, without eating we would die. And do you see the point? As we, as we acknowledge this need in a deeper sense, even to the point that somebody serves us the meal, we acknowledge this deep dependence on God. We'll return in just a moment to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildane. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. Glorious St. Benedict, sublime model of virtue, pure vessel of God's grace, Behold me humbly kneeling at your feet. I implore you in your loving kindness to pray for me before the throne of God. To you I have recourse in the dangers that daily surround me. Shield me against my selfishness and my indifference to God and to my neighbor. Inspire me to imitate you in all things. May your blessing be with me always so that I may see and serve Christ in others and work for his kingdom. Graciously obtain for me from God those favors and graces which I need so much in the trials, miseries, and afflictions of life. Your heart was always full of love, compassion, and mercy toward those who were afflicted or troubled in any way. You never dismissed without consolation and assistance anyone who had recourse to you. I therefore invoke your powerful intercession, confident in the hope that you will hear my prayers and obtain for me the special grace and favor I earnestly implore. Help me, great Saint Benedict, to live and die as a faithful child of God, to run in the sweetness of his loving will, and to attain the eternal happiness of heaven. Amen.
Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. As you uh, beautifully illustrated just moments ago, that dependence on so many different elements in bringing not only just the meal, but the opportunity for communion that goes back really, quite frankly, even back to those who harvest the food, who grow the food, to take care of those things. And in our modern sensibilities in this particular culture, maybe of the West, including Europe and in the United States, in the last 100, 150 years, the ability to be able to attain food in a fast, more a commercial manner with the advent of the grocery store has even fostered that that sense of um, production and a disconnect with those who grow where it can still be felt. It, and when I, for example, went down and did mission work in Latin America, communities t- completely understand whether you're the beekeeper who brings the honey to the market, the farmers who bring whatever the vegetables or fruits that are available, and there's a, an appreciation of what it took to grow that, the conditions of the community. And there's, there is there is that interdependence that we just don't have a sense of anymore. You are so right. This is exactly the point. For example, we do our own slaughtering in my home abbey in Germany. And the first time when I, I wanted to see how the brothers do it. So I, I was with them when a calf, a young, young uh, cow was uh, slaughtered. And, you know, that was really touching to me to see this animal die and to know not, uh, not, um, and to know after maybe some days or so, or so, I would have exactly this piece of meat on my table. From that on, I, I ate differently. I will never forget this moment when this calf had to die. My brothers who slaughtered it, um, they did it so respectfully. There was a silence in the room. I will never forget this. There was not even the radio running or whatever. So there was a kind of sacred silence. Here is an animal, a creature of God, giving his life for us, that we can eat it. So that was very touching for me. Nowadays we do the slaughtering in in this in de- industrial manner, you know, 
it's so anonymous we don't have any idea how how, how this <laughs> all this food comes about and what is in there so as benedictine monasteries we try to be as self-sufficient as possible to be as autonomous as possible and that includes our eating so we have our gardens we have our farms we want to see what we eat we want to work for what we eat and actually it's healthier anyway because you know what how, how it came about and you can decide this is the questions of independence this is independent the little community is independent not the individual within the community um, but this really helps, as you said, to appreciate what we get, to be more in contact with the seasons. You know, nowadays you, you get any kind of fruit all around the year because you can bring it from Australia, Mexico, California, whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, in the past you had to eat what was growing in the neighborhood. I don't want to go back to this, don't understand me wrong. It's more about that we are in touch with this chain that brings about finally the food and the meal on our table. Well, ultimately, it brings us to a sensitivity to the engagement of our brothers and sisters in the use of their gifts of what they've been able to do to contribute to the greater good. And that is a, a, an element of Catholic social teaching in a very real way. Because when you have that disconnect, when we're just taking for ourselves without consideration of where it may come from, then you begin to have or a lack of appreciation for, for example, the things we may wear and how have they been produced? How did they come to us? Is it possible that they were done on the backs of children working in labor in a third world country that, so that we can have something that, that is a, a disposable item? There is an important not to be so disconnected in that individuality that we lose a sense of communion. Right. You know, eating means sharing and this is what we forget you pick up your your tray and then you eat and what you don't like you you throw away <laughs> you just leave it on the tray and then you throw it away this has nothing to do with with eating and this is what we can learn from jesus how did the first christians recognize one another by sharing and breaking of the bread Sharing the bread, breaking of the bread, that was the gesture that would qualify the Christian. And this is what Jesus did at the Last Supper. He shared the meal and he shared himself. He gave himself. As you said, this brings a whole new quality to what it means eating and having meal together. And this even reaches to the Holy Eucharist. We share the bread, the body of Christ. We share the wine, the blood of Christ. And by doing this, we share our lives. And this uh, becomes manifest 
when we share our thoughts, our laughter, our joy, whatever, our conversations. So the meal is also the place of exchange and sharing our experiences. In, in families, often, if it, if it is possible, the meal can be the place where we come together and, and share what, what we have experienced, what had happened during the day, whatever. So it's a very important place to, to share our lives. And sharing the lives is at the heart of our, human, of, of our humanity and also of our Christian faith. Would there be other aspects of this particular teaching, Father Mauritius? Now maybe a last thought. Um, <laughs> actually, when I still lived in Germany, my favorite country for my vacation was Italy. So I used to visit a monastery south of Genova. Um, beautiful. Actually, it was a priory. They had just had five monks or so, elderly gentlemen, wonderful men. And what I loved the most was to eat together with them. That was so lovely. Uh, why did I love this so much? Not only because of the quality of the food, which was oh, just, just great. Every day was a solemnity in a way. They really knew how to how to dine. But what I loved the most was they took time to eat. They didn't have any time pressure. A meal could take, lunch could take 60 minutes, 80 minutes. Unthinkable for German, actually. And because for us it was just the other way around. The German monks do long prayers and eat quick. And the Italian monks do quick prayers and take much time for their meals. And this I loved. Mm. Thank you so much, Father Mauritius. You're welcome. You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World with Father Mauritius Vildi. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. You can also hear it on the free Discerning Hearts app available on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi.